Welcome to the Drug History Podcast, Series 1, Episode 11. In our last episode, we looked at drug use in the Renaissance, which brought us to the cusp of the modern age of medicine. So far in our podcast, we have looked at the Far East, the Middle East, and Europe. In the next few episodes, we plan to cover Australia and the South Pacific Islands of Samoa, the indigenous peoples of North and South America, and traditional African medicine. In this episode, we look at traditional Aboriginal drug therapy. We give special mention to Marina Kamenev, Damon Steptoe, and Jesse Pasananti of the Australian Geographic for their insightful articles on Aboriginal bush medicines. In traditional Aboriginal culture, the concept of healing an individual through the natural environment using bush medicine was ultimately intertwined with the spiritual world and not just the physical. Most traditional healthcare practices believe that the mind and the body are inseparable and that to prevent ill health, there is a need to maintain a balance between the physical and spiritual. A healer was not just a bush clinician, but also an expert medium operating between the sick person and the spiritual world. The medical healing process often involved a two-pronged approach, whereby both the spiritual and physical components would be treated in harmony. In Aboriginal culture, nothing was written down. Instead, it was passed on through singing and dancing ceremonies, which are becoming increasingly rare. Most Aboriginal medical treatments were derived from food. A big part of maintaining their health was just eating right. When Aboriginal people did fall sick, they used plants in a variety of ways to cure their ills. Some plants, like goat's foot, were crushed, heated and applied to the skin. Others were boiled and inhaled and occasionally drunk. There were also saps which were directly smeared on the skin and barks that were smoked or burned. Healing required two types of doctors, the spiritual doctor and what we might call the medicine man. Spiritual doctors were considered a supreme authority and oversaw curing the ill partly through correcting spiritual disharmony. Carrying full responsibility of both diagnosis and treatment the spiritual doctor was the only person who had the ability to determine a cause of death, for example. The medicine man, on the other hand, was the spiritual doctor's practical counterpart. He prescribed herbs and other remedies alongside spiritual rituals. Sometimes, such medicines were common and easy to acquire. During other times, many days or even weeks of travel were required to locate the medicine. No doubt, Seasonal variations in trees and plants disrupted the ability to prepare specific medicine at times. Curious variations in how many of these medicines were prepared and administered have been documented. For example, plant leaves may have been burnt on a stick before application to a wound, perhaps mashed up and swallowed, or boiled before drinking. Broadly speaking, most active ingredients in any medicine, and even today in modern medicine, tend to be either fat-soluble or water-soluble to one degree or another. For this reason, animal fat was critically important in the preparation of many traditional medicines. Most likely, ancient Aboriginal people were unwittingly using animal fat to absorb and deliver the lipid-soluble active ingredient of a natural compound. Without the addition of animal fat, it was therefore likely the medicine would not work. We have several examples of uh, medicines that we used and we find some in the Australian Geographic. 
The following are some of the examples. first one is tea tree oil. Aboriginal people from the coast of New South Wales crushed tea tree leaves and applied the paste to wounds as well as brewing it to a kind of tea for throat ailments. In the 1920s, scientific experiments proved that the tea tree oil's antiseptic potency was far stronger than the commonly used antiseptic of the time. Since then, the oil has been used to treat everything from fungal infections to the toenails to acne. Number two, eucalyptus oil. Eucalyptus leaves have been infused for body pains and fevers and chills. Today, the oil is used commercially in mouthwash, throat lozenges, and cough suppressants. Number three, billy goat plum. This is the world's richest source of vitamin C and it is found as a native fruit from the woodlands of the Northern Territory and Western Australia. The plum is said to have 50 times the vitamin C of oranges and was a major source of food for tribes in the areas where it grows. Number four, desert mushrooms. Some Aboriginal people suck on the bright orange desert mushroom to cure a sore mouth or lips. It has been known to be used as a kind of natural teething ring and is said to be useful for babies with oral thrush. Number five, emu bush. Concoctions of emu bush leaves were used by Northern Territory Aboriginal tribes to wash sores and cuts. Occasionally, it was gargled. In the last decade, leaves from the plant were found to have the same strength as some established antibiotics. And so, South Australian scientists want to use the plant for sterilizing implants such as artificial hips. Number six is the witchetty grub. This is crushed into a paste, placed on burns and covered with a bandage to seal and soothe the skin, especially in Central Australia. Number seven, the snake vine. Communities in Central Australia used to crush sections of the vine to treat headaches rheumatoid arthritis, and other inflammatory-related ailments. The sap and leaves were sometimes used to treat sores and wounds. Number eight, a combination of the sandpaper fig and stinking passion flower. The combination of the two plants was used in northern coastal communities to relieve itching. The rough leaves of the sandpaper fig were crushed and soaked in water, rubbed on the itch until it bled, and then the pulped fruit of the stinking passion flower was then smeared onto the affected area. Sandpaper fig leaves have also been used to treat fungal skin infections such as ringworm, sometimes in combination with the milky sap. Number nine, the kangaroo apple. The fruit of this kangaroo apple was used as a poultice on swollen joints. The plant is said to contain a steroid which works to augment the production of cortisone. Number 10, goat's foot. For pain relief from stingray and stonefish stings, moths from northern Australia and parts of New South Wales crushed and heated the leaves of the plant, then applied them directly to the skin. Goat's foot is common near the sandy shorelines across Australia. Number 11 is the native hope or sticky hope bush. This plant's thick, leathery leaves could be boiled and applied to relieve earache. It's commonly found in the Australian outback. 
and it's known to tolerate desert conditions, making it readily available when other medicines may have died back during drought. Early Australian settlers further upgraded the use of this plant to ferment beer. Number 12 is the nettle. Aboriginal people used this prickly plant to beat away paralysis and rheumatism by smacking the eel with its leaves. The tiny hairs that cover the leaf cause an extreme stinging sensation at first touch. Using tiny hollow tubes similar to glass, the stinging nettle allows air to pass through the epidermis and enter special receptors in the skin and overstimulate them, causing extreme pain. Number 13 is the beech bin. This purple-flowered species of the genus Carnavalia is just one example of where a carefully prepared extract from the roots could be rubbed on the skin to relieve various aches and pains. It is commonly found on beaches, dunes, and open areas. Number 14 is the pemphis or digging stick tree. Aboriginal people were known to apply the tip of a burnt pemphis twig to the site of a toothache. Thought to result in pain relief, the digging stick tree is typically found close to the sea, in a beach forest, or amongst thick coastal scrub. Number 15 are lemon grasses. So this diverse plant could be used as an ingredient for several ailments. Fevers could be treated by washing the skin after the plant is boiled and left to cool. Diarrhea could be cured by drinking it raw but liquefied and sore ears were apparently comforted by direct contact with the plant alone. Number 16 is uh, something a bit more unusual, mud, sand and termite dirt. Aboriginal people went on to directly apply specific types of soil onto their fresh wounds. Mud, or more accurately sediment, was carefully selected from the cooler proximity of a waterhole to relieve and act as a physical barrier to retard infection on open wounds. And finally, we have clay. Animals in particular are known to display remarkable specialist behavior whereby they ingest small amounts of clay within a particular diet. We know now that some types of clay have the ability to deactivate toxins within the stomach prior to being absorbed and poisoning the body. So by eating small amounts of clay, some animals can actually tolerate poisonous plants and therefore access an otherwise forbidden diet. Incredibly, ancient aboriginals also appear to have cottoned onto this indigenous mechanism and may have used it to cure gastrointestinal toxins produced by infection. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Drug History Podcast. Join us again next time when we look at drug therapy among the islanders of the South Pacific Islands of Samoa.